Thank you for tuning in to the Virtual Salon Podcast. I'm Lisa Sokolovskaya. We host artists in our virtual salon to discuss what's on their minds creatively. Although we usually have some regulars, it's always a different group of artists each time. Today we're going to talk about the artwork of Kara Williams. Kara is a painter, a digital sex worker, and an astrologer based in Val lac Quebec. Her semi-erotic paintings of her lovers and herself combine aspects of mysticism and the occult. We have included links to her work in the episode description. Special thanks to the artists who participated. Benny John Placencia from his home in the Netherlands, Robin Gibson from her apartment in Brooklyn, New York, Wesley Israel from his home in Charleston, South Carolina, Elina Vallée-Dallaire from her studio outside Quebec, Sophia Kayafas from her apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Enjoy the episode. I met Kara at an artist networking event in Montreal. I still have the photo she snapped of me and a friend there. I remember going to the Musée des Beaux-Arts and sitting in her studio at the Belco, drinking wine and talking about art. It was a wonderful surprise to have her for our first virtual salon. She was one of the best dressed that evening, black pointy hat, a veil, and even a black cat to really set the Halloween mood. She showed us her home studio, which I always wanted to see, but never managed. I live in the Laurentians, which is like the mountain range north of Montreal. I'm now sort of retiring in the in the countryside here with my cats, you know, as a witch. I am um, a visual artist, a painter, but um, I do a lot of uh, kind of expressive, mythological, um, some semi-erotic um, self-portraits, portraits of my friends or lovers, and um, my mysticism and mythology play a strong role um, in my work. So I am dressed as a witch because witchcraft and the occult has been a big part of my life, but also like meditation, tantra, energy work. Um, I'm an astrologer. I'm just sort of shifting out of sex work. I'm a, I've been a digital sex worker for 17 years now, and I'm just slowly sort of transitioning, hoping to have um, astrology and art sort of pull me through in the, in the years to come. But um, I'm sort of dressed as a combination of my sex worker self with the heavy makeup. And I often do like weird, um, like I've been doing some Halloween porn. <laughs> so this is actually one of my costumes. Kara begins to show us a number of works that she has completed over the years. The first is called The Inner Chamber. She explains that it is a self-portrait as a witch. She's dressed in a deep vermilion robe with her pink breasts exposed. A pattern of white egrets ascend across the lower part of her robe, as if they're trying to fly off towards a white curtain on the left edge of the painting. The figure stands defiantly and seems to emerge from the bright background, awash in pink and reddish hues. Beside her is a dark spot on the floor, alluding to something absent from the picture. So this one is sort of my guise as like an occult practitioner or a witch. These are finished works and I'm not, I'm going to go a little bit more into some of the meaning in the back. Kara shows us a few more paintings. They're all self-portraits. One is an Eve figure with a snake and an apple. 
Another is a painting of herself as a schoolgirl with a white-faced teacher in what looks like a kabuki mask. There, this one is sort of like a Eve or a Lilith figure. You can see like the apple and the snake. It's a self-portrait. This one's a bit older. And that one is um, like a schoolgirl figure. There's, they're both me, but like it's sort of more of a psychological state. So I created this sort of um, white-faced schoolgirl figure. One of the more eerie works is called The Dark Dream. A half-dressed bride wades in a blue lake, blood pooling from her body onto her white skirt. The figure of a man lies prone in the foreground, wrapped in a patchwork rug. She explained that the figure is her husband, who died shortly after. And then there's this bride, a bleeding bride figure that I sort of relate to Isis as sort of the grieving widow, which is kind of weird because I painted my husband dead long before he died. So this is way before he died and um, it's a bit eerie, <laughs> but um, yeah, he was much older than me and I feel like there was a, maybe there was a little subconscious foreshadowing in that, like expecting loss to happen. The next painting, called The Upper Sea, is another nude self-portrait with red hair. Her figure lies in the foreground, eyes closed. Beneath her is a coiled serpent. In the background, a black sea with cresting waves crashes over her. Uh, this one is another serpent coming in. I realize now with my new series, I want to do some work with myself as Lilith, you know, Adam's first wife. And Lilith is often portrayed as a redhead. This was sort of trying to portray um, some mystical experiences that I had, but also bringing it in with mythology. Yeah, just sort of the ecstasy of like just an abandoned sort of mystical experience. Those are some older. The final two paintings are works in progress. The first is called Sigil Bearer. It is a portrait of a nude woman standing with a rope tied around her bust in the shape of an upside down pentagram. Her expression is sort of a half smile. On her abdomen are dark red markings of strange symbols. Carrie explains these markings are called sigils. And that's a portrait of my lover and good friend, which is connected to the final one, which I'm going to bring you into the studio. The second painting is of the same nude woman kneeling on a bed with an ambiguous expression, as if startled or anxious. Her hands are resting on the bed frame. Behind her is another figure, Kara, her arms open. She's wearing a boot cast on her left leg. On the cast is another sigil marking. On the table in front of the bed are an arrangement of objects. Candles, a bottle of red wine, a black leather fetish collar. The colors are saturated red and orange hues, which are tempered by what appears to be blue moonlight reflecting from the window. The choice to portray this moment is an interesting one. A liminal state before an action is about to occur and another has just ended. Is it okay? Yep. There's a little bit of glare, but... Uh, oh, wow. So that's your studio. Yeah, I thought it'd be fun to have a little... I've not really had a proper studio visit <laughs> in, my studio in a long time, so I thought it would be fun to, to bring you in. Kira's studio is a spacious room with vaulted ceilings, large windows, and a concrete floor speckled with paint. On one side of the studio is the same bed from the painting. She tours us around and begins to show us the painting in real time. My Laurentian studio, this one is in progress. I've been working on it for over a year because I, I tend to work on a lot of, like Sophia, I tend to work on a few at one time. Yeah, I'm not an academic painter. I'm sort of a little more expressive, but uh, like I said, I do a lot of self-portraits and I paint people I know. 
and I create these scenes, you know, kind of also tying into mythology, but also into my own personal experiences. And I don't want to go too much into the meaning or the story because part of what I wanted to get feedback on is what's coming across to you and like the feeling or the mood or maybe like the meaning. This turned out to be a really important turning point in my life right before, um, if you notice, I had broke my leg during this scene. Oh, wow, yeah, I can see now. And yeah, I just want to point out some of the little details there. I had broke my leg. This was my lover and we were doing some things and then I decided to take photographs. She's an artist too and she was down to do it. Yeah, I just wanted to get some impressions. I can sort of, like there's some things that aren't finished, but the rest of it is sort of nearing the end stages. The face of the woman in the front, she seems a little bit apprehensive. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like that's been a point that people have been, like I shared it on Facebook and a lot of people have interpreted it differently as to why she's apprehensive, which is interesting. I don't really need, like um, Wes, I think was saying that like, once it's out in the world, then a few other people have said like, it's not mine anymore, but like, it's not quite finished. I'm not gonna be making any radical changes, but I am interested in seeing how people view it. And I, it is, it's interesting, even if someone has a completely different view that's way different than mine, you know? Kira, I feel like your your use of the figure is really um, a part of your studio practice. It's not accidental. It's the way you tell stories, it's the way you explain yourself. Um, and it seems like you play with narrative and this, even this idea of, you know, the carnal and the divine kind of overlapping. They, they have a sacred space together. Chris, my, my girlfriend, Christina, was talking to me about witches last night. Talking about witches in Italy and how Catholicism in Italy is so connected to the mystic aspect of, of magic, actually. And it feels like magic is a part of this image kind of overlaps with so many things that I understand which I really appreciate. I really like this painting. I like what it's about. It seems like this kind of reverence, kind of open palm, this pondering, this reflection of the, of the woman in front, kind of this, this gate right between the legs, this kind of beautiful moment where you see the pubic area and this, this kind of back, this back area behind the blue glint kind of coming through. This is super powerful for this painting as a whole feel it's super layered. I think that you could work on honing in on your focal points because there are so many juicy moments in this that have a moment for us to reflect and kind of ruminate on what this means um, and get there with you. I think light is definitely a massive part of your your composition, but I think in like technically, uh, maybe you could rethink the hierarchy of those points where, where do you want us to look first and why? So really lead us around, maybe it's a pentacle. Maybe we're going around kind of in a circle and we're circling towards a certain point, but where do you want us to end up? Where do you want us to begin? Think the hierarchy of your tonality. So one thing I've picked up from my friend Danica, she would put her paintings in black and white, take a photo of her, of her painting, put it in black and white, and then she could more clearly see what is it. Down occasionally, you know, like just to fuck with the how you see it. I'm kind of thinking like I changed the what you're saying here when you were saying that I can kind of see the trajectory as going um, from the still life 
gateway to the kind of foot and up to the hand and then to the, through the gaze. So maybe That's a little focus on the still life. I look at that leather belt or whatever it is on that chest. Col collar? Yeah. I, I think that, that the, the still life can be a wonderful place to really kind of show, you know, the more I feel like there's certain details that you put in that really make people believe that this is real, whether it is real or not, but it's the kind of little thing of you recognize that, oh, this is the texture of something or like, oh, that's a particular brand of a candle. I recognize the shape of it or, you know, the color. I think that can be a great little, like, oh, I trust you, it's real. And then you're like, oh, this is also very strange. And the other thing that I wanted to mention is that in regards to the apprehensive gaze, when I look at this painting, I feel, you know, when you enter in a in a room or in a shop that had a lot of incense burning, yeah. it's not unpleasant, but it's like quite heavy in its pleasantness. <laughs> yeah, like kind of intoxicating or just So yeah, and you're not sure like, am I into it or not? Am I liking it because it's sweet and nice? Or am I a little bit overwhelmed? Uh, and I feel bad. Yeah, I like that perception. I mean, it's some people said that she's afraid or that she's um, reluctant or that she's questioning her sexuality and all these things, which are not like a wrong, it's not a wrong thing to think. But um, I do enjoy that you can view a little bit more nuanced and, and you know, and complex of a possibility of what's going on with her. I wanted what? to say one more thing, one more thing. This this far left corner of the painting where you have the light kind of coming out of the back and then it's kind of in the red. It's it's going down the wall, almost like a like a stage light. I mm -hmm. think you made that transition more subtle. Calm down the brushwork on that red area, the gradient from yellow to deep mm -hmm. red. If we could calm that down just back, our, our eyes can really rest on these women and their their moment in time. Yeah, I've been um, thinking about how the, the, how detailed I want the background to be, how soft, how expressive, a lot. And um, someone said that it needs something here. And actually, like, my work can tend to be too cluttered. Like, it can, in general, I can be too much, you know, too much for people. Just, like, overwhelming. And they're big, they're bright, they're sexy. But, like, some space, I feel like, works in my work. <laughs> like, a little bit of room to breathe. I don't know how you guys feel about that. I actually agree, if you don't mind me saying. So I really love your use of color. I think it's phenomenal. I think your ability, even though you say you're not academic, I think your ability to create a world on a two-dimensional plane is fabulous. And like the way the light, the way you use light is really exceptional in like all the works, especially in this one that we're looking at, as far as like uh, how that uh, coolness comes from the right side and kind of just like delineates into this harsh red. And I think the red is important I think that kind of speaks for itself. I think you would be, I, I wouldn't say, I mean, I understand where people say the forward figure is um, pensive, but if you were looking at it from like a sexual experience, it would almost be like a rev, like the figure in the, in the background, which would be you, is basically worshiping the figure in the foreground. And the figure in the foreground is the next, is basically your vehicle to ascension, if that makes any sense. And so like you're looking at her and then she's looking at the overall goal. You know, like yeah. a long time ago, people used to have sexual rights as a way to communicate with God. And I think that's a really interesting way to view this particular painting. I think what uh, Sophia said is 
spot on as far as like the background. If the whole background was just a single color or just even if it was black, it would push the figure in the foreground and even like the bed itself so far forward, you would be you would be so focused on, on what you're trying to focus on. It would be honestly startling. And I think that would like really, really like change the way you view the piece, you know what I mean? For me, the color was um, really important. Like I've been working a lot with highly saturated color to give sort of psychedelic um, experience feelings to the work. Because this is, you know, you guys have picked up on that it's like a sex magic sort of thing. And I'm glad that that came through, possibly through the, the sigils, the symbols that are drawn on it. Uh, she actually taught me, she's a chaos witch and she, through her, I got more into witchcraft again, where I was before I was just practicing Advaita Vedanta and meditation and Tantra. And then we sort of ended up sort of coming into my own power, coming back to some things that I used to practice. So this was sort of like an initiation into something new for both of us. The sigil and my, and my calf is for healing, you know, to heal the calf. But I was thinking about the myth of Chiron. I don't know if you guys are familiar. Well, Chiron is the wounded healer in astrology. Yeah, you can kind of see the connection to that here. You know, I liked what um, Wesley said about me being a sort of like worshiping her. I feel like it could be either like a healer or like someone who's almost menacing. Like the expression is not correct yet. In the expression, it's sort of like- Your, almost, you mean your figure? Yeah, in the background. Is like a personification of this like wounded healer type and like allegory? way that we um in relationships like we can bring healing but we all are already wounded ourselves right and we pass that on yeah and like we can maybe complicate things or we can we try to help people when we're still fucked up ourselves we try to like teach people when we're not quite learned ourselves like just the complexities of human relationships and psychology really interest me yeah you know, and like, and it's sort of like a sub-dom relationship, which is, I'm not sure if it's quite, because she's like elevated here and all that, but like, you know, am I about to strike her or like do some magic, you know, the ambiguous. Right. There's definitely like, I, I kind of feel like you're the power figure here. And yeah. it's kind of like the wrath of the Medusa where it's like. Kind of paradoxical. Like I have a broken leg yet I'm the, you know, power figure. Yeah. You know? follow up with it's not even that you need to black out or lose the psychedelic stuff i think yeah. it's the brushwork calm yeah. the work down in the red and you'll have a completely different yeah. painting that was my original intent and then i just kind of went wild with it and i was like do i like this or do i not you know and yeah, yeah do you guys agree with that like if some calmer brushwork would help this yeah, I wasn't I wasn't trying to say that needs to be black. That would that would look terrible, but I just meant like I agree with Sophia, like just as soft as possible. And even in the foreground, like if, if that stuff was just is as, as loosely painted as necessary to convey what they are, but not necessarily harsh lines. None of that stuff is really important in the grand scheme of things, you know what I'm saying? Um, but maybe like a little more intentionally to draw the line of sight from that corner. Like Sophia was saying, like the direction of the attention and her hands, I need to decide how much I want to render her hands. Yeah, but like nervous. the hands aren't really the focus, you know? No, but I kind of like them being lightly holding and sort of almost nervous hands, you know? Yeah. I um, think it's great nonetheless, you know? Yeah. The last thing I want to say, Kara, it has to do with this conversation I had with my girlfriend last night. 
I'm gonna try to remember it just right now, quickly. It was something about how Christianity deals with the philosophy. It's like a philosophy, it's mental. Yeah. The theology. And then kind of witchcraft deals with joining that spiritual to the body. And the same thing as, as mysticism of Christianity, dealing, um, combining the resurrection, the crucifixion, the carnality of death with this ascension into the beyond. And kind of witchery is, is a way of pushing those things together. I wish I could remember what she said. It was so good. I don't know if that if that resonates, anything that I said resonates. I had a Christian background and we weren't really taught about the mystical side of Christianity at all. It was, you know, it was Methodism, it was very stripped down. But my, I became a seeker when I did acid at 18. And that's, I was like not interested in religion anymore. I didn't want to go, I didn't go to church anymore, but it just was like suddenly like an awakening. And like other people who did acid with me, like they were afterwards like not affected by it. But for me, I became sort of obsessed. And then eventually I got into, like my mom had some books just because she was interested in many things and I just picked it up and became a seeker, you know, from that age. So yeah, like the body um, in, for me, like is sort of like the energetic conduit to the divine in many ways, you know, like through the energy of sexuality or creation as an artist, through the way that we put paint on the canvas and make something out of nothing. Like a lot of my work, I did a lot of work on alchemy, which does relate back to Kabbalah and to um, even the Christian mystics as well. When I when I talk to Christina about Catholicism, I'm I'm actually Orthodox. It's kind of the it's like the original Christianity. It's it, Orthodoxy kind of became Catholicism after the I remember the Ecumenical Council. They had a big talk and they're like it's different. Um, Orthodoxy has this really beautiful incorporation of the mystical element so that the, the incense or presents prayers even even when we do um when you go there for for the end of the year when they when they have um easter we actually reenact the death of christ we put his body into a fake tomb we take the tomb outside we walk around we kiss the body we weep over the body it's a complete theater but it's also very witchy you know what i mean mm -hmm. Ritual is the best way to say it. Yeah. And that's also very connected to kind of witchcraft. Mystical. This was actually a major ritual that we did for each sigil that was on our bodies. Like I mentioned my husband's death. He was actually my spiritual teacher, my tantric teacher. And you can't see it, but on my ring finger, she drew a sigil because he was, he was abusive, like controlling. He used mm. the spirituality to control me. And he was like alcoholic and I was like incredibly trapped for a long time. And she drew a sigil because I just wanted to divorce him. I wanted to be free, but he was blind and I couldn't leave him. I was like incredibly trapped, but also trapped by our history and by the powerful experiences we had. And it's crazy, but like she drew a sigil that meant um, severance and peace. That was the two words I came up with. A sigil is when you take the letters and you make a picture out of them. And uh, two months later, he died. <laughs> Not saying that the magic like worked necessarily. I think it was his time, but you know, just it ends up becoming like that much of a moment in time, like a huge change. And like so much healing has happened for me since then. Like for me, this painting is really big. You feel like it's you like letting go of this moment of of because I can imagine like the way you just described your loss is an emotionally complex topic. You loved him. I feel like for me, like I think someone, um, one of you were saying, like 
once you let something out into the world, it's not yours anymore. That was kind of a theme that came up. And for me, once the paintings are done, I'm like, it's birthed and it's out of me. And I'm like, that's one of the reasons I'd never want to be a mom. It's like, once it's out of me, I'm like, it's gone, <laughs> you know? I don't feel that connected to it. I'm like, buy it, whatever, it's cool. Like I've done, it's served its purpose. So yeah, it's sort of a, it's sort of ritualistic for me. Painting is sort of ritualistic in that way. Like a way to process things. I know that's sort of a mundane sort of thing to say, but it's definitely about the process. And I agree with Wesley about, um, you know, yeah, I would love to show my work and have it be out in the world and make some money from it, but it's really much more about the process of being in the studio and working through things and just, you know, somehow expressing life experiences in a meaningful way. The flip side of that is every place I live is full of paintings and I have no place to put new paintings. So I kind of do have to sell things. That's it. That's one of my main motivations. Like, the, I don't even have all of them. I've thrown out a lot, but it's getting full. <laughs> so there's a bunch in the house. One of my teachers, when I did my uh, bachelor's, he was, uh, he painted really large. And one of the brief talks he gave was on the fact that if you're going to be a painter, don't paint large. Well, uh, paint small so that you have room and then he's like and if you're contemplating sculpture forget it yeah like but lisa knows that i paint large no matter what so this is for me is a, a me smallish one <laughs> i don't need to talk about it it's just a sort of a sister piece to that one there and it's the same girl same girl yeah. no it's the same it's like the different view yeah just her by herself like sort of a casual moment yeah, Kira, the more I look at this, the less I feel like this is about sexuality. It's more about um, spirituality and mysticism. Yeah, very much. That's really, I mean, sexuality to me is a big part of my life, but sexuality that uses, it's very similar to art making, you know, like that uses the energy of creation in a sort of spiritual way. Sexuality and art have a lot in common. It uses the power of creation in a spiritual way. Is that what you said? Yeah, exactly. Because there's so many, there's so much potential. There's so many, there's so many um, paths that the one that you choose ultimately ends up being um, the most beautiful one. Is that what you mean? Well, for me, the path now has been about not having a religion or a teacher or even a path. Really, it's more about following my own intuition, following my own inner guidance, and not having any kind of doctrine or guru or anything. At least at this point in time. Yeah, it's about learning to have my own internal sort of guidance system and, you know, that sort of empowerment, I guess. Like, I like the figures, they're not sex objects. Like, people talk about the female gaze, like, what is the female gaze when you're queer, you know? How different is it than the male gaze? And that's just a question <laughs> that doesn't really interest me too much, but um, has come up. I'm here for a little while now. I'm so sorry I had to step away for such a long time. I had, like, double schedule at the same time of another call, so... <laughs> but just, just quickly on the paintings that we were just looking at just one thing that i really like uh that is kind of secondary from of course the fact that they're so powerful and you feel the ritual and the very complex emotions that are going on there but i love that you put some elements that are very familiar about your environment and the decor like the curtain in the back is a curtain that I mean, I have seen many times in, you know, it's it's a familiar thing that you took the time to paint it or the same thing with the other painting. There was like a lamp that is a specific kind of lamp that again, it's like, yeah. oh yeah, it's just like a room where it's like, kind of yeah, an ordinary yeah. living room that we know, but then there's something very mystical and special going on that is super powerful in that room that we know. So 
yeah, there's some there's some familiar objects. I like that a lot. Yeah, <laughs> just a note about that contrast. I thought that was really a, a good decision. I would like to tell you a Cara, right? A Cara, okay. Your paintings impress me in so many different levels. It has wow. <laughs> like a, a little bit of everything. I'm shocked and I am happy and I am sad and I am impressed and I am wow, everything. Like it's 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 your paintings are very shocking in a good way, you know? It's it's very like I love the way you express your freedom through your paintings. Mm -hmm. Like it's so free, it's so I don't give a shit what other people think about, you know, <laughs> I am doing it. I, 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 I'm just very impressed, but in many different levels. It's, it's, it's it wow. And you love red, girl. Like, red yeah, is your color. Red. red is the favorite color, and that's, um, <laughs> that's the color of the body. Like, if you think about the chakra system, you know, it's the color of, like, the primal self. And I think part of me, like, is often disconnected from my body and, like, mm -hmm. up in the spiritual realms, you know, disconnected. And maybe my instinct for red is, like, you know, trying to ground myself. A little bit. Yeah. Well, I, and it's I, also, I, passion and love, you know? Yeah. yeah. And blood. Right. And, uh, but I, I do, I really do love the fact that you're able to be so free. I don't know if in real life you're that free, but in your paintings, you are all over the place. And it's just, yeah. it has everything. It's, it's everything. funny because, like, in my ego persona, like, I, I end up being anxious or caring what people think or worrying but like in my art persona like I like to push it even to the point where I'm embarrassing myself by being so free like it's like almost like a practice like maybe so vulnerable and open show everything you know like humiliate myself call myself out show my own nudity my own desire you know it's like where it's a it's a practice really I like how you say in your ego persona. Is, yeah. uh, I wanted to say one more thing. I love your, the attention to detail. Every single like element that. tells a story there. It's, it's so... Thank you, guys. It's really been fun to have you in my studio. Thank you for <laughs> letting us in. awesome. After the studio visit, we had a chance to hear Kiara talk more in depth about sex work and astrology. Here's an excerpt from that conversation. We have such an honor to talk to such an artist your level now. I mean, for a, well, until you can. You know, now, I mean, unless you, you have to go. I'm waiting for a friend to do a video chat with, but I think she's having sex. Oh, good. Because okay. That's just my suspicion. So now we have, we can do like the she's after hours. After hours salon. Exactly. The QA. What do you think about the stigmatization of the porn industry? Because I think it's just like crazy. Like people think, like, and I think it's very hard. Like, you know, I was watching some documentaries. It's, really it's very difficult to do it. Making porn, it's, I'm not a natural performer. You know, like I was really shy growing up. I, I was not the kind of person who would be on the stage. Like if I had to give a talk, if I had to give a lecture or a, or a presentation in college, even I would drop the class. Like when I found out they would need it. Yeah. And then, you know, somehow I ended up becoming a porn performer, but I just do it out of my own home in my own way. I don't go to shoots in LA or anywhere, you know? So it's like on my own terms. 
It's like but, in my own bubble. I've been making in the adult industry for which we call it the adult industry for since 2002, you know, really? and I've been making porn since like 2003. So that's a very long time. And I've seen, I've seen how it changed and I've seen like what changed it. And for one thing, like tube sites, porn tube sites, where everyone gets their free porn, oh, yeah. changed the adult industry so much. And you might have heard in the news about Pornhub, like the trouble that Pornhub got in, which is based in Montreal, actually, which was kind of ridiculous because there's going to be, there's going to be illegal stuff going on everywhere on the internet. Like, it's just inevitable. It's really unfortunate and terrible, but like, that people who, who did underage porn or something or get uploaded, but it's going to happen now and then. Like even sites that have, you know, rules in place, they're not going to catch it constantly because there's going to be tons of stuff. So they got kind of persecuted because there's anti-pornography, um, like radical people oh. who want to exterminate the sex industry. There's people in the U.S. especially. It's such a it's such a weird puritanical culture that basically have been working really hard to get rid of the sex industry. Um, well, and it's... they might succeed. You know, things change really drastically in the next 10 years. We don't know. Hopefully less with Biden. I kind of... Kamala Harris is actually known by porn, anti-sex work. She, she's anti? Which most people don't know. She's anti... She's actually done a lot of work that's actually hurt sex workers a lot. I know it's a really complex thing, but I, I know that um, in the earlier days of porn, like it's been, it was kind of um, a harsh industry to be in, especially as a woman. I don't know what that's like now. And I think it's amazing that you're taking control of the way that you make it. It's very empowering. It's been a very deliberate choice because I do know there's sexism in the industry. I do know that there's abuse in the industry. I don't like the idea of a bunch of like men coming and being like, oh, you're going to do this thing and you're going to fuck that person today and whatever. Like, no way. Like, I couldn't do that. Like, yeah, some girls get sucked into that because they want to be famous. They want to be stars, you know, and they... Mm -hmm. And it used to be back in the day before the before the tube sites, it used to be extremely profitable, but still it would be like a few men making most of the profit off the women's labor. So, but Benny was talking about the stigma and the stigma, like, it's funny because I came to connect it back to the art, like last year in the, in 2020, when I finally had time to work on my website and my Instagram and everything, I finally came out as an artist and a sex worker, like I just was like, I re rewrote my artist statement. I'm like, this my this has informed my work. Like I've been a sex worker for almost as long as I've been an artist. Like this is how it plays into my work. It's not all that is in my work, but it's a factor. And I resisted that for a long time, like being open yeah. because of stigma, because mm -hmm. of stigma, because I thought people would be like, well, you're not a feminist or you're exploiting your body and you know we don't want to show your work or you know I definitely had those sort of fears that it would lose me opportunities when I have so few opportunities already as an emerging artist as an artist who does like large sexual paintings it's not that easy to sell them or to get them recognized or shown because people know they're hard to sell so I didn't really want to make it harder on myself but then I was just like 
fuck, fuck it. it. Maybe it could actually like be good. I've been, you know, maybe it would be like appealing to know my story. Like the few people that I've told were really engaged and they were like, why worry? Like everyone I've told almost like I got a couple of unfollows on Instagram from like other female artists. But it's not, it wasn't many, you know? Um, but there's, the stigma is still very real, especially in the US. Like, did you know that you can get your bank account closed just for being a sex worker, even if it's illegal sex yeah. worker? You can just, there's so many, like, you can't use Venmo, you can't use Gift Rocket, you can't use Cash App. Yeah. Even if you're doing stuff that's like completely legal and you can be, you know, have your account closed. I recently had my PayPal account closed for no reason. And I'm pretty sure it's because they decided I'm a sex worker. You know, they wouldn't, there was no, re, no way to dispute it. There was no one to call. They said like, we don't want to work with you. That's it. Like, it's just like closed door, you know, it's, there's, there's some fucked up shit still going on for sure. Um, it's less than it was, but there are people actively working in the States like really hard and you know, it's the kind of feminism that um, doesn't think trans people are valid, the kind of feminism that thinks they should decide what women can and can't do, what women can and can't wear. Like if you can wear a burqa, if you can't wear a burqa, like the kind of feminism that's really a bit like patriarchal and controlling, really. Yeah. Which I don't agree with. And they're becoming a little bit more kind of vocal right now, like in the UK, it's, you know, due to like JK Rowling or whatever, like with the trans, the trans issue is really big in the UK right now, you know, like, mm -hmm. I forgot, her. I forgot what she said. She said something that was controversial. She said a lot of stuff. It's not just one thing. She's been oh, okay. um, really actively kind of activist against trans people. Wow. But there's a lot of people who it and Anyway, like we know those are called TERFs, but they're also called SWERFs. That's what, um, that's the sex work term. It's sex SWERFs. work exclusionary radical SWERF, yeah. Wait, and say it again, sex work. Exclusionary radical feminist because TERF is trans exclusionary radical feminist. Well, okay. So I have so many questions about like sex work. Cause like, I'm, I'm thinking like, okay inherently like how many women want to go into it because that's what they want to do and i'm not like passing any judgments on it i'm just i'm i think a lot and i think that that's totally fine it's complicated it's what? complicated but how like does anyone want to work at mcdonald's does anyone want to work in the office does anyone want to work as a waitress we do it for money we, most of the work that we do is not because we love it Mm -hmm. it's um it's labor to put food on the table and what i loved about what i've loved i honestly i'm a bit so sick of sex work after all these years um i've been doing it for 17 years i would like to be making a living off my art i'd yeah. like to be recognized for my art by now but you know something like a, a nice gangbang wouldn't hurt you know once in a while yeah <laughs> well i mean i i have nothing against somebody capitalizing on that like whatsoever you know i think that it's yeah it's very different though sex for the camera and sex intimately like one-on-one -on -one or whatever whatever many people you're going to be doing it with is a completely different ballpark when you have the camera and the lights up your ass 
and oh a God. person, you know, even if it's just me filming myself, like I don't masturbate like that, you know, yeah. I don't it's a production hair extensions and face of makeup, like to masturbate. Like, I just don't, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> um, Actually, um, sometimes it, it might make it a little life. better. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, you're like romancing it. Yeah, it's um, like, oh, I'm just doing this for myself, you know. At some point, it kind of like gets old, I think, you know, it's like, okay, again, what the fuck? We're pretty open spiritually. I kind of feel like this life is a sex worker. Like, I feel like I've been a whore in many past lives. I've been a performer. It's tired. I'm like it's old news, you know, like, what's, what's your I've south node stage? I've, my south node is Pisces in the eighth house. Oh, so you have Virgo in so. your north node. So Benny probably doesn't know, but like in astrology, your, your north node and your south node, your north node is, uh, your karmic path, like in this life and it's your destiny and your south node is what you were oh. like. What's like, cool about astrology is if you're interested in like art history and art there's so much mythology in astrology you know yes. you learn so much about classical mm -hmm. stories that just so beautiful and and what i really love about that as an artist also is just the way that you know the stories come to life in us as human beings here on earth you know like they they come in these grand like symphony of energies coming together and us little humans, you know, and yeah. it's something so beautiful about that. It's it's like there's these grand bodies in in the universe and we're like a microcosm of all of that, you know. Yeah. So that's what I think is really cool about it. Kara, what can you tell me about Taurus? I'm Taurus. He's a Taurus sun. Taurus? He's a cancer well, he's I'm a cancer moon. Nice. Cancer moon is really nice. Yeah, he's because a sweet, he's a sweetheart. He's a sweetheart deep oh. down, like his moon. And then uh, he's a, his Taurus sun. Taurus. He's got, he's got a Scorpio midheaven. Um, well, the Taurus, Taurus sun with a Cancer moon would make you like very sensual, like very appreciating of, of the sensual pleasures of life. Yes. And the Aquarius rising. That's a very musical placement. I noticed that people um, with Aquarius placements tend to be really strong with music and they love to like discover new music. They love to like be innovative and experimental, you know, like it's a very futuristic, um, that's what people probably see most about you since it's your rising sign when they first meet you, you know? Yeah. It's like that you're different or quirky. Yeah, it's, so. I, I, am more, I am more like corny than quirky. I'm more like corny. No, you're not. No, <laughs> but like, so Benny, so your rising sign is how you come off to people and to have an Aquarius as your rising, it means that you're, you're very like ahead of your time, uh, a little bit like, I mean, quirky is a good way, like eccentric. Oh, okay. Okay. I get it. Yeah. Like a maverick, you know? Oh, so, so that means that uh, it's good or bad? It, it it's not good, good or it's bad neutral. it's it's what that's the energies the astrology the planets and the signs they're just basically like the template of what your soul wanted to learn in this life like what you wanted to experience 
you know, like the basic energy structures that you do your soul, like, you know, I feel like you're both spiritually open that you both want, that you want to do um, explore. Like, it doesn't mean that you're going to be that in your next life or when you die, but it's like, you want to experience certain things and being this person, being this ego, this personality, it seems like a lot of art now it's like not that deep or it's just like more random. Like people mostly are kind of atheists or agnostic at most. And I feel like a lot of the ways that my art gets overlooked is because like, I'm not really like that. Like a lot of people are not that comfortable with like the symbolic or the mystical, you know? Well, they, they never have been like, especially female mystical artists, you know, like I said before, like, first of all, female artists, but then, you know, it doesn't really fit into the canon when you are like more mystical and yeah. And like, even though most of like art history has been based on more religious uh, aspects and like motivations, you know, religious or mystical. Yeah. It's always been men who portrayed it, right? And they were usually getting paid by the church mm-hmm. or like the Medici or something in the mm-hmm. Renaissance. There was a few. Are you guys having, um, like, and just checking in with astrology, how are you guys feeling these days? Because things are really intense for fixed signs like Aquarius, Leo, um, Scorpio. Like the astrology is really, really intense right now. Are you yeah. feeling that yet? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm always feeling like some intensity. I can tell you I've been feeling pretty corky these days. Well, Well, that doesn't change. You're an Aquarius rising and like the ancient astrologers used to view the rising sign as basically like the sign. Like you would be an Aquarius. I would be a Leo. Emily, what was your rising again? So I'm a, in, in Western, in Western astrology, I'm a Taurus rising in, in uh, Vedic astrology, I'm an Aries rising, but I identify more with a Taurus rising. Like, I think I'm very much like Taurus rising. I feel it. What'd you say? I feel the Taurus. Yeah. Just kind of slow, like like, Taurus vibes, laid back. We should have, get together and like make some art. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, (laughs) It's all the sensual things, but like, you know, kind of like reserve, like calm and like. So Kara, how do I change my house? How do I change my house a little bit? To, to <laughs> your house? Yeah, a little bit, not much. What's wrong with your house? No, my Aquarius in the North house. How do I put it a little bit to the South? It's, a, it's your, it's your rising. Um, well, you don't like your rising sign? I mean, you can't really do anything about it, Benny. Oh, it's just the way it is. It's unchangeable. You it's can. like it's like your personality. Well, you can't. Actually, you can do something about it. Um, there's something known as astrological remediation that I learned about last year. Um, <laughs> this is actually really fun. and It's astrological magic, which is really fucking cool. And I'm like, how did I not know about this before? Um, I've been active on since the pandemic or a little bit before on like astrology, social media, and there's like a whole community of like witches and like practitioners of astrology and energy work and like all these people. And I'm just really good. Maybe it's my Leo rising. I'm really good at just tuning in to like the right people and like where you want to be, who you want to meet, who you want to encounter. 
And I learned that you can actually work with the planets now. You work with the planets like they're gods. And you light like a candle for them. You you decide it's there. The stars are really good right now for focusing on Saturn. The The ancient ruler of Aquarius. Aquarius was ruled by two planets. Saturn and Uranus. What about my what? Uranus. 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 Uranus, Benny. Okay, Uranus. I'm equally immature. <laughs> I'm always, I'm an astrologer. Like, I'm a semi-professional astrologer, and I still laugh at Uranus jokes. Like, I just, <laughs> I'm immature. Like, <laughs> it's easy to do. Anyways, <laughs> so I'm pretty much ruled by Uranus and another part of you. You're ruled by Uranus? <laughs> And he's definitely um, ruled by his anus. I can tell. Look at him in his little red scarf. <laughs> no, no, yeah, seriously. So it's Uranus um, Jupiter is ruling my sign. There are two planets ruling your, your rising sign because back before Uranus was discovered in, I don't know, like 18... Oh, yeah, it was... Who knows what? I don't know. Something like that. It was not a long time ago, but in, in astrology has been around a long time. So the old ruler was Saturn. So you might sometimes people talk about Aquarius are quirky, they're they're weird, they're whatever. They're but also they have this melancholy of Saturn, this restriction. It's not just fun and games. It's there's two levels to Aquarius. Um, anyway, right now we have like five planets in, a, in Aquarius, the sun, Jupiter, Saturn, um, fuck, like all of them, Mercury, Venus, they're all in Aquarius right now. There's like a huge lineup. Uh, there hasn't been this many planets in Aquarius since like 1960. Mm-hmm. So like 50 years since we had this many planets in one sign. Well, it was fun to, uh, oh my gosh, this is awesome. out with you. Thank you very much, Kara, for such a fabulous, fantastic uh, talk. I really, really enjoy. Well, I already enjoyed your paintings yeah. before, but like, I really enjoyed your personality. I'm not one to like keep information to myself. I just get excited about things, and um, I don't know. I just like it's exciting. Like, I've been having a life that involves like spiritual awakening since I was 18 years old, and it's exciting, man. Like. <laughs> it's fucking cool like to find out like all that's out there and like how powerful we are you know it's just fucking incredible mm-hmm. and human life is so fucking challenging and crazy and hard and traumatic but then there's like just so much beauty and possibility and like amazing things about existence that are just so sad that people don't know about but um yeah Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you like the episode, please rate it on iTunes and share it with your friends. Visit our website at theartistconfluence.com and follow us on Instagram at theartistconfluence. All music featured in this episode is by Kevin MacLeod.